This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. The Bastards are back for this Wednesday edition of the podcast. We are a part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Charlie Smith coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. Joining me tonight, we have Job Goddard coming to you from our nation's capital by way of lovely Newport, Rhode Island. Job, how are you doing this evening? Um, I'm doing well, but this is recorded on Monday, and that doing well is contingent on at least showing up in tomorrow's game with Nate Evaldi on the bump. So, could be different. And, uh, Joe, where can the fans find you on Twitter? The fans can find me at J-O-B-M-L-B. It's the first time I made this joke all season, Charlie. Thank you for prompting that. Do not send me job applications. I, I will read them. I will mock you. I will tweet them. But uh, I will not get you a job with Major League Baseball. That's the wrong uh, Goddard sibling. Direct all those inquiries to the other Goddard, please. Well done, Joe. Thank you so much. And also joining us tonight, we have the one and only Terry Cushman in the wonderful Myrtle Beach, much warmer by way of Wyndham, Maine, a little colder. Terry, how are you this evening? Just splendid. Happy to be in the co-host seat as uh, Charlie's better, more balanced radio voice takes us through this episode. So fun format and uh, love being a part of it. So Terry, where can the fans find you on Twitter? At Cushman MLB, and they can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Fantastic. Thank you, Terry. Uh, And for those that are curious who want to chirp me, send me messages. I'm a huge fan. Smith underscore MLB is where you can find me. So we are going to be doing a good old-fashioned couple of topics surrounding totally legit or calling the cops. The first topic, I hope you guys are sitting. Actually, I can tell that you're both sitting, but I really hope that you're you're not like dangerously close to falling out of your chair. First one out of the gate. Jackie Bradley Jr. will end up doing better than projected and finish as a top five finalist for the Comeback Player of the Year award. Totally legit. Are you calling the cops? Okay, you had me with better than projected. Because my projections for him are like, oh, 77, two home runs, 30 RBIs. 
but comeback player of the year. I mean, come on. I don't know who submitted this question, but are we watching the same Jackie Bradley Jr.? I know he's had a good couple of days. My God, Jackie Bradley Jr. sucks with a bat. Like, all caps, cannot hit. No, he's not going to win comeback player of the year. I'm calling the cops. I'm calling the cops as well. I don't foresee Bradley having a regular starting role uh, in the lineup after the All-Star break. I think he is one of the areas they will address. Even if he is hot, I don't think they're going to bank on him giving you a solid second half. So I'm going to call the cops on Jackie Bradley. So you know who I would recommend be be given some forethought is Michael Walker, comeback player of the year. Michael. Ooh, Walker. okay, okay. So I'm I'm also gonna say calling the cops, but just barely, because I think this could be one of those, you know, Rule Twenty Five player draft guys. You know, Garrett Whitlock, who no one thought was gonna be anything, and then lights up the Christmas tree. Why not? Uh, I don't think he'll finish in the top five, but I think he'll be one of the names to keep an eye on. I think he will. Uh, far exceed the expectations that any Red Sox fan had of him. Uh, second topic we got tonight. You ready, kids? Darwinson Hernandez has been on fire in Worcester and will be named the Boston Red Sox closer before June 1st. Totally legit, or are you calling the cops? Calling the cops on June 1st? I do think there's a chance he's the Red Sox closer. We had an episode multiple episodes prior to last season where we debated whether or not he would be the closer for the Red Sox. I know they're stretching him out, quote-unquote, at AAA right now. They want to use him in like a Whitlock-type role. But if he can close the door on on big league lineups, he'll fit nicely into that, that ninth inning. I, I like the idea, but I'm calling the cops on June 1st. Give me more like August 1st. They are stretching out Darwin's in, so I'm still gonna call the cops. I don't. Uh, I'm trying to get his game logs up. I'm I'm very bad at navigating the. Uh, oh, there they are, actually. So uh, Xander's lighting it up in Worcester. He is just destroying everything. Darwin's in. You mean? Zan- yeah. I think you said Xander. Did I say? Oh, I apologize. <laughs> Darwin's in. Darwin's in is is destroying everything right now. Um, and granted it's, it's AAA, it's Worcester. It's n- it's nothing crazy, but I think, I think they're going to try to gear him up to potentially be the closer. I think this is the, the direction that they're going to want. They want that locked door. They want that ninth inning guy locked down. Well, interestingly, I did find a way to get his game logs up. Uh, not a good first outing, but in his second and third outings, he's only had three so far. Uh, he went three innings in both of those outings, struck out six batters in the three innings on April 10th, then struck out uh, five in uh, the April 16th outing. So... I wonder if he's going to be more the long guy if he's only going three innings at a time. So perhaps perhaps that becomes the role. Not this past winter, but the winter before, I spent the whole winter expressing optimism 
that he was the closer of the future and that he was going to figure it out. But um, I have to call the cops on that. But I would love for it to finally pan out. So I'm going to say calling the cops as well, but only barely. I think he will end up becoming the Red Sox closer this year. And I think it's going to be maybe not June 1st, but maybe July 1st. I think he's going to find himself as the full-time closer, possibly getting these two-inning jobs, uh, maybe a two-inning save because he's getting the practice right now. Uh, Joe, did you have one more thing you want to add? Yeah, I just, I'm just i curious why June 1st is the, the number. He's not even with the big league club yet. And once he gets to the big league club, he still has to earn his way up the charts. So June 1st is an interesting, interesting date. I like your July 1st. I still think August 1st is the day. Okay. Terry, do you want to add anything else? Nope. Got 911 on speed dial, though. Okay. There we go. So, third topic of the night Xander Bogarts takes the Red Sox offer, hypothetically speaking, and no longer wants to talk about a contract, signing a five year, $150 million deal during the regular season. Is this totally legit? Or are you calling the cops? I'm calling the cops on that one because I think he's worth more than $30 million AAV. I also think if he's going to sign a long-term deal, age 30, he probably wants six years, wants that sixth year. I would say 6180 would get it done. 5150, maybe not. Maybe 5165, but that's stretching it for the Red Sox. I don't think they'll take that. I have to call the cops as well. I think... All the Red Sox offered him, and I forgot to follow up on this, but he's got his three remaining years at $20 million. So what, all they offered him was one more year beyond that at $30 million. So that becomes four years at, at $90 million, And that, to him, seemed disappointing. That... That would explain the the bad body language at the press conference where he finally disclosed um, that the negotiations had actually broken down and that there won't be any more during the season. I think for him to take a deal during the season, I think it's going to be at least a six-year deal, and I don't think the Red Sox want to go there. What I want to happen, what I think are ha- will happen are two completely different things. I really don't think he's worth more than $30 million a year. I really don't. And I know there are some folks out there that, you know, maybe drinking the Kool-Aid and, and think that that's going to get it done. You can't pay for past performance. I think if the Red Sox offer him five years and $150 million, I think that's totally legit. I think he would take that money and go with it because – a lot of teams now they're they're going to shift away from getting these huge 7 8 million 7 8 year deals for 210 240 million dollars sure he wants it he's not going to get it his his numbers are not getting better they're going down you're not going to be paying for someone to continue getting better his better years are very quite possibly behind him so i think if if the red sox present him with 5 years 150 million after his uh his 20-year deals are up. I think he would take that. Uh, this is going to be one that we were talking about earlier. But this is cute anyways. Travis Shaw will be DFA'd before the month of April has concluded. Totally legit or calling the cops? Calling the cops only because 
and I'm rooting for this one. I really am. Whoever's question this is, you're near and dear to my heart right now. I'm calling the cops because Tristan Casas won't be ready by the end of April. Tristan Casas is probably going to be ready mid-June, maybe early July. That day is the day they move on from Travis Shaw, not before. He has, I'm going to say that's totally legit, but there's a deadline in which the Red Sox can move on from him without having to pay a lot of money. And I don't know when that is. I want to say it was around 70 days. So that would put it after April 1st. But we're at what? Today's the 18th. You got 12 more days left of no production and automatic outs every time he's in the lineup. So I'm going to gamble here and say that that's totally legit. Terry, I'm going to echo your sentiment and say it's absolutely legit. There's no point to wasting a roster spot. If you're going to burn a roster spot, burn a roster spot with someone who's going to do some damage. Travis Shaw has proven he's done. The sombrero strikeouts in his most recent game, not going to get it done. Segway into our next one. Totally legit. Are you calling the cops? The first Red Sox pitcher to five wins will not have been a season starter for 2022. I'm calling nine one one because it's going to be Michael Walker. Michael Walker's already got two, and uh, he's going to have five and three more starts. Does Walker have two wins? Uh, he has at least one. Let me double check I, and see. If I don't he's think got a he. One. I don't think he got this the first one. He he got mugged. I actually don't think he got either. To be honest, M- maybe. Maybe I missed Either that. way, I'm I'm going with calling the cops. I think Michael Walker is going to get five. I also think Nick Pavetta will get to five very shortly. I don't think that uh, season starter Tanner Houck um, is going to get there before the other two. I'm going to call the cops as well. I think I know your angle. I think a certain reliever in your mind is going to get there. I'll let you say who that is, but I, I think we do have a starting pitcher. I think Nathan Avaldi could could also get there uh, before anyone, so I'm going to have to call the cops. Well, I'm saying totally legit, baby. I think it's going to be a, it's I, I think it's going to be someone who did not start the season as a starter who's going to get uh, five wins first. Michael Walker is currently sitting pretty at a nil nil with a .96 ERA. And to Job's point, Job was the official inaugural member and president of the Michael Walker Fan Club, and I will give him the credit for that. Also rocking that that Jacob DeGrom .86 whip, just looking real real nasty. Um, Im- impeccable. Uh, all right, so here we go. Next topic, totally legit or calling the cops. Alex Verdugo will have a higher impact both offensively and defensively than Xander Bogarts. Read that one again. (laughs) Alex Verdugo will have a higher impact both offensively and defensively than Xander Bogarts. Okay. I think offensively is, is something we, we could potentially discuss, but in, in no situation at Fenway, 
ever in the history of Fenway, 110 years that we've been playing there, has a left fielder ever had more impact than a shortstop. So unless you're moving Xander Bogarts to uh, the DH role full-time, absolutely not. Uh, it's just not a question. I'm calling the cops. Terry? Well, I mean, Manny was better than some of the shortstops we had, at least after the Nomar trade, I, I would say. And then I, I don't... Orlando Cabrera? Come on. No love for Orlando Cabrera? Offensively? I don't know. I, I can't. Offensively, sure, but but now you're talking about. It's you know, it's hard for me to get there between Manny Ramirez and and average player X. He, you're talking he, about two potential all stars here in Xander Bogarts and Alex Verdugo. But the you got to go to 06, 07. I mean, we didn't have stud shortstops those years, and and Jason Bay was better than I'm. I'm guessing it was Marco Scudero that. Oh nine year, but I'm guessing. So he was he was a stud, but I'm gonna say that's totally legit, Charlie. <laughs> it's it's hard for me to. You guys hate Xander Bogart. Totally is a very profound word, and uh, it exudes confidence. And I, I can't say that I'm super confident, but Xander he gets a little tired and starts begging for days off after July. You know, he's a, he's a first half player. And I think what we're seeing out of Verdugo now he has broken down as well, but he's younger and this looks like a statement season uh, from Verdugo. And he was one of the better defensive outfielders in 2021. So I think at a minimum, he could win the golden glove and pretty robust right now in the batter's box. So I'm going to say that's totally legit, but it's not going to be popular with our listeners. I'm going to say totally legit too, because Alex Verdugo is not asking to play DH. I'm just going to be completely honest. Now hear me out. Verdugo is going to be able to play more than left field. If he ends up needing to shift over to center, there's a chance he could do that too. I think Verdugo has shown in now more than one series that he is hungry and he is ready. And he will do whatever it is that he needs to do. He's not playing disappointed. He's not playing with something else on his mind. This is someone that, truth be told, this is someone that really does have something to prove here in Boston. This is the guy that got traded for Mookie Betts. So I think this is finally the year where we're going to see Verdugo make the switch. Um, All right, next topic. Here we go. So, uh, all right. I'm I'm still stuck on the last topic. It's okay. The rest of our listeners are also going to be stuck on the last topic. I don't think so. I think they're going to move on to this one too. Ready? Vladimir Guerrero will smack 50-plus home runs this season. Totally legit or calling the cops? Totally legit. I think Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to be the beneficiary of not only a stacked lineup, but the fact that a lot of stud pitchers can't pitch in Toronto. He doesn't have to face Chris Sale. He doesn't have to face insert starter X, who's an ace on X team. He's going to be facing some twos and some threes. Probably some bullpen arms out there who are closers who aren't going to be throwing 101 to him because they can't play in Toronto. It might He might steal four or five extra home runs because of that. And he was close last year. I think he might win the Triple Crown this year. This This one's for Vlad. 
I'm going to say totally legit as well. Um, the only thing that gives me pause is MLB likes to mess with the baseballs uh, halfway through the season and could perhaps, I don't know. I mean, you go back to 2019 and we had four guys on pace for 60 and then none of them hit 50 because they switched up the baseballs. So, um, but if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Vlad. And I think it's legit. I'm with you guys. I think he has the chance to hit, um, I don't know if he's going to hit Giancarlo Stan's 59, but I think he's going to get, I think he's going to hit Ken Griffey Jr.'s 56 mark. I think, I feel very confident about it. I don't think he's going to have just one three game this season. I think he's going to have multiple. This guy is going to tear it up. Um, and he has the, the benefit of playing in Toronto with that wonderful loaded lineup all around him. If you um, are, if you're saying 56, go you got to go with David Ortiz. I mean, that's the franchise record. And you're going to go with Ken Griffey Jr. Come on now, Charlie. Bro, Ken Griffey Jr. did 56 two years in a row. Let's be respectful now. Uh, all right, next one. Ready? Totally legit or calling the cops. Clayton Kershaw will turn the clock back in 2022 and pair with Walker Bueller to form one of the most lethal one-two punches in baseball and lead the Dodgers to the 2022 World Series. Totally legit or are we calling the cops? Well... Uh, this is a two-pronged question. Is he turning back the clock? At least he is for April. Maybe May. Okay, can he do it all season? I don't know. I, I have my doubts. The other piece is, yes, he might perform adamantly and, and get them to a World Series. I don't think that that makes them uh, the most dangerous one-two punch in baseball. Not even close. Most dangerous one-two punch in baseball belongs to the New York Mets. Then there's about, and to quote Moneyball, there's about 50 feet of crap. And then there's everybody else. So I'm going to go with uh, no. I'm, I'm calling the cops on that one, but just barely. I'm skipping the cops and calling the FBI. I don't think Clayton Kershaw can hold up at this point in his career for a full six-month season, let alone October. And as far as the World Series go, that's part of the reason why I don't think the Dodgers have enough depth in that in that pitching staff to, to do it. And are they going to give up another massive haul in July to get a guy like they did last summer with Max Scherzer? So... I just don't really see it for them. I think my Padres are gonna are gonna win that division. So I, man, I like Walker Bueller and I like what Clayton Kershaw did. Excuse me, this first game, but uh, so far in his second game, he he started out like gangbusters, and then you know mortality kicked in. So uh, I don't think that they have the most one of the most lethal. Mm, not the most lethal, one of the most lethal. I just don't know if I can trust Clayton Kershaw to stay healthy for the whole season. Caveat, why. if he stays healthy, okay. is he one of the most dominant? I still go with no. One of the most lethal? One, two in, in baseball right now? I'm still going, you know, if, if one of is like the top three, I'm still saying no. I think Milwaukee is better. I think the Mets are better. 
I think you're flirting with it, but if you're you've got to assume that injuries a part of the game. I think they may rest Clayton Kershaw. You know, they may limit the 75, 85 pitch games. Like how many are going to be above that? But I also think that in order to be considered a, a dominant one-two punch, you got to be healthy. And the Mets right now do not have two healthy starters, not two gang, not two gangbangers who are just like ready to go in and give you seven innings of you know, 110, 105 pitch ball striking out 10 guys. It's not going to happen. So I think it's very possible. And I think they will help lead the Dodgers to the, I I think there's a really good chance they could go to the world series too. I I think this is legit. I think this is totally legit. Um, They have a chance. Uh, Joe, did you say, I'm not sure if you had a finger up to. Oh no, I'm going to let that one go. You're going to let that one high fly. The Atlanta Braves have a better one-two punch. Okay. The team they're playing against tonight, um, six to four last I checked. Yep. They're, they're currently, uh, yep. The Dodgers are winning just barely. Terry, anything you want to add on that one? Uh, nope. All right. So this may be one of our last ones. Mike Trout will find himself pushing his way out of Los Angeles, but not leave California. Totally legit, or are we calling the cops? I'm calling the cops on that one. Even if I take the not leaving California piece out of it, which I think is the piece that makes it over the top, I don't think he's leaving the Angels this season. Within two or three seasons, they don't make the playoffs. Yes, absolutely, I think he's gone. There's no one in California that can afford him. The Padres can't afford his money. And the Dodgers have spent more money than God on players in their 30s. And I, th- I think they might be pretty close to their tether. I'm thinking right now it's a tough one. Um, I don't think it'll happen before the end of the season uh, if Trout gets traded. Could it happen by the end of December 31st? I, I would probably put maybe a 30% chance on there. Um, there's a California team that would love to replace, well, not replace, but have another Barry Bonds type player like they did previously. And of course, that's the Giants. So uh, we'll see. But uh, one way or the other, I don't think Mike Trout finishes his career with the Angels. So I I think this is, if it wasn't for the California bit, because I don't think he's going to go to L.A., Mike Trout is an East Coaster. He comes from the land where you can't pump your own gas. I believe this is a Jersey boy. I think in a couple of years, I think there's a good chance that we may see him in New York. I think there's a chance that we're going to see him playing in those silly stripes. I just don't know which side of New York he's going to be on. He's getting paid an ungodly amount of money. And let me tell you, the Angels are wasting Mike Trout's best years. His golden years are getting wasted playing in Los Angeles where they don't go to the playoffs. There's another team that runs L.A., so 
this is going to be something that I do believe could be possible in a couple of years. I believe his contract is up in, is it 2028 or is it 28? Thank you. So 2028, he still has another six years on the deal after this. I think he's got maybe two, possibly three years left in LA before he finds himself playing in another uniform. Joe, I think you had something you wanted to add. Yeah, I think it's possible he finds himself in another uniform. It's the California piece, like I mentioned, that I don't think is is realistic. I do want to call out the Los Angeles Angels of, of Anaheim right now. What a terrible, terrible organization. I mean, that is a poverty franchise the way that Oakland is, the way that Cincinnati is behaving. Cincinnati, another poverty franchise, and one of the first teams ever to play Major League Baseball doesn't want to pay their players. The Angels are wasting the career of Mike Trout. The Angels are wasting the career of modern-day Babe Ruth Shohei Otani. Why do people want to go to Anaheim? Because they get paid boatloads of money to play there, like Anthony Rendon, Albert Pujols, I get it. They want the big name. They want to sell tickets. They never should have paid Rendon that money. They never should have given Pujols a 10-year deal. I get it. He's one of the most prolific hitters of a generation. Probably one of the greatest right-handed hitters I've ever seen play in person. They, they pay players too much money, and people love the security. That's why they go there. They don't go there to win, and pitchers don't go there at all. I, yeah, I I remember when, when LA went, we're just going to get offense. They got Rendon, they got Shohei, they signed Trout before. It was just one thing after another. It was wild. Uh, but at no point did you ever see them adding pitchers or going after pitchers. It was just one bad thing after another. But that being said, y'all. Wait, we one are more gonna, thing. One oh, more thing. Oh, go ahead. He actually has eight years left. And oh, my apologies. I'm bad at math, but I think it comes out to $296 million remaining. That's a lot. It That takes him through his age 38 I'll take season. It. I'll take it. If, Sign me up. If the Angels eat some money, maybe they get him down to a $30 million a year player. That, that would be asking a lot. Um, cause he's, you know, 37 per year for the remainder of the eight years. I think, I think he could potentially play in pinstripes. The Yankees tried to deal. Oh, come on, Terry. The Yankees tried to deal Aaron judge to the angels last off season. There was talk. We don't know how close it got, but, but there are two teams willing to do business with each other. So I just wanted to throw those scenarios out there. It's it's an incredible amount. It's an incredible amount of money that's still owed to him. So assuming he's still got nine years left on that deal, getting thirty seven million per, he still has three hundred and thirty four million dollars coming to him, and that's assuming he's making the same amount uh, each year. I I'm not looking at his contract in front of me, but my goodness, is this man getting paid? Absolutely insane. Uh, 
with that, though, uh, we want to thank all of you listeners for popping on and listening to us jammer on and on about the Red Sox and a couple other totally legit calling the cops scenarios. As always, uh, Terry, Joe, been a pleasure working with you gentlemen. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you guys all soon. Take care.